Welcome to a God is Just Like Jesus podcast. Today we're going to look at God's goodness relative to Noah's flood. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Pandora, and Apple iTunes. You can also find the book, God is Just Like Jesus, on Amazon. It looks at the failures and sins of the disciples and Jesus' great response to imperfect human beings. And lastly, you can search YouTube for God is Just Like Jesus for online videos. So today I want to look at people's questions that they have. It can be people inside the church. It can be people on the street that don't even believe in Jesus or from other religions. And they can look at the Old Testament and these ancient, ancient documents that are 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years old. And they have questions like, why is God so mean in the Old Testament? Why is God so angry in the Old Testament? Or in the words of Monty Python, why is God smiting people in the Old Testament? And I think that if they will look at the history and look at the text, they will find answers that are very satisfying to those questions. So I think education is a real answer to these questions. Are these really true thoughts and true feelings about God? I did a previous podcast called God's Goodness in Sodom and Gomorrah, and we found some very interesting and satisfying answers to these questions. So please consider looking at that one. But what about Noah's flood? This is one of the most ancient pieces of history. And so understanding what's happening in that day and time in the culture is very, very important. I'm going to read first Genesis 6, 9 through 14, that kind of talks about the details of Noah. And then I'm going to go back and read Genesis 6, 1 through 8, which is really the overview. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. And there he goes through the building of the ark, and he tells him to gather all the creatures to preserve them, etc. Okay, and then I'm going to read you part of the introduction in Genesis 6. So in verse 5 and on, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I'll wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I wanted to read you those two passages and really focus on what's happening and what's the state of the world culture at this time. When people accuse God's character of evil and accuse God of being evil, and they say things like, why is God so mean? Why is God, you know, hurting people? Why is God smiting people? Why is God killing people in the Old Testament? First, we have to realize it's not our day and time. These are ancient documents, and they're also written from the perspective of 
you know, the person that had seen these things or these stories that had been told about this piece of history. And so part of it is they see it and they record it. So I asked myself, have people read the entire story and read it closely to understand what's happening? In chapter 6, verse 5, let's consider what it's saying. Would you want to live in a city or town where, from verse 5, quote, every inclination of the thought of the hearts of the people was only evil, end quote. And how often would people's hearts be inclined in this way in your, in your town or city? If you're in a little small village or if you're in New York or L.A. or in, you know, Paris or London, verse 5 says, the inclination of, of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil, and it says all the time. It was not like, oh, they had a bad thought here or there. They had, you know, an evil intention on this day or that day. He's saying this has permeated the ancient culture and it's happening all the time. And again, he's not saying, oh, this is one person out of a hundred or this is a hundred people out of 10,000. You know, you think about your world news or your, your news from your city today it's probably less than 1% of the people that are doing evil things that are making the news. But in this day, this had permeated world culture. So if things are bad now, if, if you look at the world news, like I just said, what was it like then? In Noah's day, the inclination of everyone's heart all the time. So it was like 80% of the population, 85%, 90%, 95% of the population, and we don't know how many people were there, they were doing evil, and it was making news in the gossip circles, and they are doing it all the time. So I want you to understand in the context of, of the biblical story of the flood, it's not talking about, you know, 10 people out of 100 and potentially, it's not even talking about 50 people out of 100. It's talking about what's happened to this entire culture and that it has devolved to the level of the animals. Well, how else did it affect God? It says his heart was filled with pain. In verse 11, it says the earth was, quote, filled with violence. Imagine way more than point. Zero one percent of your town or city is constantly beating up people, robbing them, raping them, killing them, and abusing them, right? And in verse 12, it said they had corrupted their ways. So it's so interesting. I think wherever we are on the political spectrum, wherever we are in our philosophies of life, we're all upset about violence when somebody's hurt or abused or um beaten up or stolen or killed or raped, right? These these are just things that break our heart about human condition. And we find ourselves in alignment with God, like his heart was grieved because of the violence. And if we stop for a moment, we resonate with that. We go, well, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. He would be grieved over this level of violence. And again, it's not just one out of a thousand people in your town that are beating people up, robbing, raping, killing. It is most of the people in that culture, and it's happening consistently day to day, week to week, month to month. And it's that level where it's just permeated the entire culture. Okay, I'm going to contrast the people of Noah to the people of Nineveh. So Jonah came and preached to Nineveh. 
And because God sent him in, and the message basically was turn away from evil, turn away from violence, and turn back to goodness, repent, change, grow. And the people actually listened to the message of God through Jonah. And they turned, I mean, again, they didn't turn to perfect moral goodness, but they turned back to more goodness than they were doing. And since they responded to God, that generation was protected from the Persians coming in and wiping out Nineveh. They listened, they responded, and and they were spared from being conquered and, and killed. Well, it's interesting. Noah is telling the people he's building a boat. He's He's speaking to them. They are refusing to listen. And because of this, you know, the flood comes and takes them away and they die. But what I love about this is God always allows and wants people to be protected, saved, and prospered. He doesn't want them destroyed. So there's a great verse in Ezekiel 18, 23, and that verse from the Old Testament, I think this is great because this is conveying the heart of God in the Old Testament as he says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Right? Not just people that are having a little bit of, you know, struggling with sin in certain areas. He goes, the wicked, those that are committed to evil. He goes, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? I love that verse so much because... God's saying, I don't want the people of Noah's time or Sodom and Gomorrah or even the people at the end of the age, I don't want them perishing under natural disasters or any kind of other way. He goes, I want them to turn to goodness and I want them to live. And I love that God declares his goodness in that way. So in Noah's generation... There is opportunities to listen to Noah. There's opportunities to get in the boat and be saved. And they didn't want to turn away, again, from their violence, from their corruption, from abusing one another to say, wow, maybe some of what I'm doing, if not a lot, is wrong. I need to turn back, repent. I need to turn back to goodness and chop off some of these violent thoughts some of these angry emotions, and some of these vindictive actions. And I need to turn and say, sorry, own my stuff and turn back to goodness. That's what God wanted. And that conveys the heart of God. And that gives you an understanding of who he is in his character. In verse 13, I want to just continue that. God repeats once again, the earth is filled with violence. It's like, Wow. He says it multiple times so that we really get what the culture, not not just a few individual people, but what the culture was like. Imagine if Nazis lived next to you in the house to the right and the house to the left and maybe across the street. And again, not just one Nazi family or two, but every other house down the road had a Nazi family. And imagine if you were Jewish or black or another persecuted people group. You know, the fear you'd live under, the oppression, you'd worry about your daughters going out, your sons going out. You potentially couldn't walk down to the grocery store. You might worry about driving to go get groceries or gas that you would be accosted on the way. What about, you know, people attacking you at work, your coworkers, some of them or many of them being Nazis, and it's not safe to even go to work. 
that's his this context of the earth being filled with violence, the people having corrupted their ways. You know, what's happening uh, in, in the context of the flood, it's not just a little flippant thing where God's bored one day. He's like, hey, I'm going to create a flood. You know, there's some bad people around, whatever. It's not that. And it's not even that their 10% of the population is evil and needs to go to the jail, right? It's that the majority of the population, the whole culture has been saturated with this evil. And there is a point where God, get this, God will not permit new babies, new innocent human souls to become birthed inside this culture and they've got no heart well i shouldn't say no chance because noah did it right um but it's such a battle to resist evil and become just like them right and go down these pathways of violence and corruption and abuse and so there's a point where god says i'm done with this culture this generation, this nation, whatever, because they have actually followed the devil to a degree where the majority of the population is affected. And so he takes action. Sometimes we we struggle with that, but wouldn't it be dysfunctional and abusive if God just turned a blind eye to world culture that was devolving further and further and further to the level of the animals were just the survival of the fittest? And it's like the Lord of the Flies we're just preying on one another back and forth. Wouldn't it be dysfunctional if God was just passive? And God's not passive, but he does allow a tremendous amount of free will. But there is a point where God intervenes. Some people will talk about, oh, God sent the flood. And perhaps that's true. But I think much like we looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, God didn't send the volcano. He knew the volcano was going to happen and wipe out the town, right? If anybody would have listened to them, he would have been in relationship with them and helped them get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. I think it's the same thing here. When God creates the earth, he knows there's a tremendous amount of water and moisture still bound up in the atmosphere. So God knows this rain is going to come. It's going to flood the earth and create the oceans. He knows that's going to happen. He's not per se creating it, but he knows it's going to happen. And he knows that's going to wipe out the people on the earth. And he knows that that's going to wipe out the ones who are committed to violence, rage, evil, and abusing one another. And and to those people that would not give it up. But to the ones that will listen to God, just remember, God would have let anyone who listened to Noah come into the ark with him and be saved. And potentially he would have spoken to other people as well and say, hey, I want you to build a boat as well. Maybe you're a little remote from Noah, haven't heard about it. Maybe that boat would get too full. God, if there was other people that would have listened and responded, potentially God would have had them build other boats because that's the story. That's biblical. That's biblical history. Those that will listen and respond. And again, I'm not talking about perfectly responding, perfect, you know, moral, moral behavior, but those that will listen and respond, he always will work with them and save them, protect them. So the key, as it always is, is free will. Who will listen to God? Who will learn? Who will respond? It's not about being morally perfect. There are no morally perfect people. King David was not morally perfect, but he did respond to God. Peter was not morally perfect. He has 
a number of sins. I'm up to 31 sins of the disciples, failures and sins. Jesus never rejects them, never kicks them to the side. He always works with them and forgives them, right? James and John had sins and Paul had sins. And then when you go back and look at the life of Moses, he had anger issues and other sins, right? Abraham had sins when he lied about his wife being his sister because, quite frankly, at that point, I mean, it's good to admit, he didn't have faith in God to protect him. But he had faith in God, you know, in other times and seasons. So it's really important to know this is not about Noah being perfect or other people being perfect. This is about people being willing to listen to God and respond to him and grow with him in goodness over the days, weeks, months, years, and a lifetime. And even at the end of our lives, no one will be perfect. But there's a difference between the people who are interacting and receiving God's truth and his grace to grow in goodness and those that will not listen and don't give a damn. Right? Those are the two different kinds of people, but none of them are morally perfect. And I just wanted to mention as well that Noah, once again, was not morally perfect. Even though verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man. It's so important how we interpret that. It does not mean he was morally perfect. It means he was in relationship with God. And when you're in relationship with God, it means, number one, you admit your sins instead of covering them up. There's a whole class of people in other religions, other philosophies, atheism, and other kind of secular kind of philosophies like, you know, we say we're Christian, but, oh, you know, every philosophy and every religion leads to God, you know, that, that kind of watered down thing. Many people hide their sins when they're, when they're in any of those philosophies. But if you're connected with God, you're owning your own crap and you're saying sorry and you're receiving God's grace and you're making war on your sin. You're trying to grow in goodness. And so Noah was not morally perfect. You read Genesis 9, the next chapter, in Genesis 9.20, get this, Noah gets drunk. One of his sons sees that he's drunk, and I don't understand what all goes on there, but when Noah sobers up, he is furious and he curses Canaan in a rage, right? That's sin, getting drunk, sin, cursing Canaan as a response. In, as a, in, in rage as a sin. No, it's not perfect. And we just need to know that. Okay. Now I want to look at the effect of people's free will choices to choose evil over goodness. And again, not that we, anybody can perfectly choose goodness, but what are the effects on God of people's evil choices? Right? Look at this. It says, the Lord was grieved. Imagine if you had created a beautiful creation like Eden and it devolved into chaos and people using and abusing each other all day long. The inclination of all of their thoughts and hearts being evil to use and abuse one another. The violence that's resulted from all this. Your sense of loss and longing for the goodness of what you intended and created would be overwhelming. Grief would fill your heart and it filled God's heart. It just gives us a little insight into the fact that we have emotions because God has emotions because we are created in his image. 
And the grief that he feels, we can actually understand if we'll slow down and think about it. Well, how else did it affect God? There's this verse as well in Genesis 6. And the end of Genesis 6 verse 6 says, His heart was filled with pain. Wow. You really start to resonate and sense what God was feeling. Any semi-healthy parent whose son or daughter doesn't just make mistakes, but turns willfully to hurt others, uses others, abuse them, that parent starts to know the pain that God felt. You love your child so much, you do anything for them. But when they make a thousand bad choices over years and years and years and go down a path of hatred, selfishness, rage, and evil, you don't know how to get them to turn back to basic goodness, even though they have, because they have their own free will. Then you start to get a sense of God's pain he felt in this situation. God did not casually let the people perish in this flood. And remember, we stated if they had listened to God, if they'd wanted to turn to more goodness, he would have helped them get to the boat, get to Noah, build your own boats. There's all sorts of options that God would have used to help people in this situation. You can listen to our podcasts on Spotify, Pandora, Apple iTunes. Just search for God is just like Jesus. 